the first moment that like I got a call from an artist being like, I got to quit my job as the office receptionist. Like to me, I was like, I've done it. Like I've, I'm, that's, that's what I am here to do. And if I can get any music in front of someone who's never heard it before and it can change their lives, like sync with sync, it just like, it never gets old. Like a good placement stays with you forever. Got so many amazing Mm -hmm. moments that like, I just will never forget. Like when a, a song just completely like took my breath away. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com. What's going on? Welcome to the New Music Business. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in the New Music Business, the book. Third edition is out now. Everywhere, hardcover, ebook, audiobook, however you listen to books or read books or do the book thing, you can find the book anywhere and uh, listen to it or read it. Today, my guest is Jen Pierce. She is the founder of the sync agency, Low Profile. For those of you who don't know what sync licensing is, well, don't worry, we talk about it on the show. But it's basically how you get kind of songs on TV shows and movies and video games. And Low Profile has gotten songs placed on TV shows and movies such as The Chai, We Crashed, Saints Row, Pretty Little Liars, Barry, Chucky, You, Lucifer, Made to Love, just to name a few. And in commercials and for brands such as Apple, Madewell, Converse, Volkswagen, Ikea, Victoria's Secret, Hyundai, again, just to name a few. And they work with artists like Solange and FKJ, Boy Harsher Nation of Language, Empress of, Yacht, the list goes on. Today we talk all things sync licensing. So if you want to learn how to get your music on TV shows, in ads, all of that stuff, and what they're paying right now, this is the episode for you. Uh, We talk fees. We talk what has changed in the industry, in the sync licensing industry over the last few years, but really where it's at right now and what artists are are making for this and, and how much these upfront sync placements are earning and how this all works. And if you're just learning about sync licensing or if you are a pro and have had tens or hundreds of songs synced, I guarantee you're going to learn something from this. Uh, Jen was very transparent with all of her knowledge. Um, Jen, she comes from uh, Warner Brothers and Downtown Records. This is where she came before she started Low Profile, which she started in 2017. And uh, she says that, you know, part of her, she she's very transparent about everything. And, and that is kind of what motivates her. And she, after being fed up with the status quo, she decided to start Low Profile Born out of a need for radical transparency. So she was very generous with all the information, not cagey at all. I asked her figures and numbers and all the stuff that people in the industry are afraid to talk about, Jen's not afraid to talk about it. So uh, we get into it. You're going to learn a ton. 
And um, this is, uh, I really enjoyed chatting with her. And we, we got into all sorts of, of topics uh, from samples to in beats um, to publishing and how to get songs cleared and how to get signed by her if you want that or how to work with sync agencies, um, what music supervisors do, publishing companies, labels. Uh, the difference between someone writing uh, a score versus using their existing music to get in uh, TV shows and movies and that kind of stuff. We talk about trailers. We talk about theme songs, how theme songs work. So we got into all things sync, and I think you're going to enjoy this. You can check out Low Profile on their website and more syncs that they've worked with. And their Instagram is actually, I definitely highly recommend following them on Instagram. Uh, they give a lot of tips on their Instagram, and it's it's actually uh, pretty funny, uh, a lot of the memes that they post. Um, so they do a great job at their Instagram as well. You can find all of us that make the show happen at Ari's Take on Instagram, TikTok, and X. You can find me at Ari Herstan on Instagram. And visit Ari'sTake.com. Get on the email list. Email is still the best way that we communicate with everyone. And um, if you want to get the updates on the new music industry, the new music business, and when we release new episodes and all that good stuff, go to aristake.com, get on the email list. But right now, just hit pause and follow the show. Subscribe to it. However you're listening to this right now, hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button. Leave us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you haven't yet. Those really help. All right, let's kick into the show. Jen Pierce, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up? Hey, hey, hey. Um, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, hey. So, um, sync licensing is one of the most popular, popular topics. Uh, it is the thing that we get requested the most from our listeners, from artists uh, in our space. And I'm excited to talk to you about it today. Um, before we kick in, will you just explain what what low profile is and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Low Profile is a sync agency. We represent artists, record labels. Um, like we, we just work with artists in many different ways and we pitch their music to film and TV shows and ads. I mean, wherever you hear music, we negotiate mm-hmm. on their behalf. And um, and yeah, it's, it's how a lot of people discover some of their, you know, favorite new stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, no, that's helpful. Thank you. And I, so you call it a sync agency. Um, and just to, I'm going to start super, super basic for people, uh, that are just tapping in high level, and then we're going to go deep into the weeds. Um, so just so we, so we understand, um, uh, as a sync agency, and like you said, you represent artists and labels, um, you uh, are you don't own the music, uh, and talk to me about the payment model. How does this work? What is the business model of how a sync agency works? Okay, yeah. So how we work, I mean, there are a few different models and and you know different kinds of companies, and a lot mm-hmm. of um, like major labels or major publishers, they'll have an in-house team doing sync mm-hmm. for them. Um, but for us, we like you said, we don't. We don't own anything. We're just representing um, artists for the purpose of sync. And we uh, take a commission on anything that we bring in during the term. So we take 25% across the board for all of the artists that we represent. 
And cool. um, yeah, we're super transparent about our terms and I, I feel like everyone should be. I think it's super important. So I love talking about this stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just depends. Sometimes we represent an artist on both the master and the publishing side. And sometimes mm -hmm. it'll just be one of those sides. It just kind of depends. Like if they're signed to a publishing deal that doesn't allow them to have anyone else rep them, then we'll just do it on the master side. There's a lot of different ways we work with artists depending on what their mm -hmm. situation is. Gotcha. And just to clarify, when you say you take 25%, and, and thank you for being transparent about that. Um, I know oh, yeah. oftentimes in the industry, people can be very cagey when it comes to the numbers. Um, so yes. <laughs> um, so just to clarify, 25%, uh, we're talking, um, and this is just to break it down, I'm going to I'm going to explain it and then correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. But um, you're you're going to pitch, uh, you're going to basically uh, get one of the songs that you represent into a TV show, a movie, uh, in a commercial, a video game, something like that. And they're going to pay you a license fee to use that song for uh, that scene in the TV show or that commercial or something like that. They'll, a term will be laid out. And they're going to then write you a check for that license fee. And that is going to be what's called kind of an upfront sync fee. And then you take 25% of that. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So um, depending on what the use is, and again, like if we're representing one or both sides, um, you know, sure. let's say there's a TV show pays $10,000 up front. We take 2,500 um, and we send the rest to the artist or the label or whomever like owns the rights to whatever side, um, if that makes sense. And we don't participate in any of the back end or you know, anything else that happens yeah. outside of that, that initial fee. Mm. That was my next question. So to, to clarify back end, you mean, uh, oftentimes, you know, for those that, uh, are, for the songwriters out there, if their song, uh, sometimes they can earn performance royalties, um, on the back end, and, you know, more globally, it's called publishing, you're not you're not taking any of that back and you just take a percentage of the upfront sync fee. Cool. Yeah. Um, um, so a lot of the time, like, especially like mm -hmm. if you get a song like in a Netflix show, you'll see a lot. I mean, Netflix has like crazy cult audiences for these shows. <laughs> so like, you'll just see um, a pretty significant impact for almost any show on Netflix, like just in terms of monthly, um, you know, just like your streams. streams. And yeah. usually a lot of things go up after that. So mm. cool. Yeah, I did see I was looking at some of the artists uh, that you rep, or at least some of the sync placements, um, and then I would go to their their Spotify profiles and stuff like that, and I would see that there were some uh, playlists that that are uh, almost a, like official editorial playlists uh, of that Netflix show. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's awesome. It's great. We love mm -hmm. it when that happens. It's fun. Um, so I also just want to clarify um, the um, you were, you talked about kind of on a side and kind of the uh, the master side. You said sometimes if if you represent an artist that doesn't do um, they have a publishing deal or something like that, you're only taking the master. Is it is it uh, pretty much is it always the case or usually the case or that let's use your ten thousand dollar example. Um, is it typically that half that money go, is it, I guess, is it typically split 50, 50, half goes to the master side, half goes to the publishing side? 
Yeah, it really should be unless you're dealing with like a cover, right? Like a song that you didn't write okay. is a big famous song. You're not going to get the same amount, right? Because you didn't write that song, but you'll still get a master mm -hmm. fee for the new recording. But basically in any other situation, yeah, it should be the same amount. And the way that we ensure that we get paid the same as anyone else who's quoting for the same use and the same song is we just say with everything, it has to be MFN, meaning like it's most favored nations and meaning everyone gets the same deal for the same use. Um, but you say if I've it's a cover. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was, I was just going to say, um, like, yeah, if it's a cover, then, you know, uh, let's just say like, I decide I'm going to cover a Madonna song, right? And someone wants to use my new recording of it. It's very unlikely that you would ever get the same as Madonna's going to get on the publishing side, right? Um, okay. Unless, unless it's, you know, so, there was a time um, I had a really good friend who worked at NBC and um, I, I represent, I used to work at a record label and I represented, I had, we had this cover and he was like, Hey, just, just don't put MFN when you quote, meaning like you'll get whatever the publisher quotes for this massive song. I was like, you are a true homie. And it worked. <laughs> we got a really high fee and it was great. Yeah. Wow. But, um, um yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yes. Um, cool. So, no, that that's super helpful. Um, and so, uh, so let's talk a, a little bit about it. I, I, um, I'm curious. You know, 2023 has been a a, a very weird year in the film industry um, with all the strikes. Um, have you noticed an impact in your business because of the strikes in the film industry? Yeah, it's definitely been a weird year for sure. Um, we've seen, you know, it's it's not as um, much as I think music supervisors have felt it and uh, mm. some other people um, within the industry. But for us, you know, we've, we've certainly seen a slowdown in TV and film, just production in general, obviously. And, um, you know, the thing is like, we've still have been working on things that were already in post-production. So it's not like there's been like a complete halt in terms of licensing, but, okay. um, yeah, there's, it's definitely been slower and things have been pushed back to next year and just like a slower slate in general. And we just, we just brought on a music supervisor to our team actually. And, um, oh. she talks about this a lot, just, you know, in general, it's, it's, it's pretty, you know, there's a lot going on and um, it's really important that we figure this stuff out because I think I'm really I'm really proud of this moment, just like in terms of like setting the tone for everyone else in terms of like, how do we protect sure. the creative and what we do and get paid right? I think it's all really important stuff. And um, yeah, so hopefully, mm. hopefully we can see some but, resolve and yeah. So, no, no. I, so I'm just curious, like uh, the business that you did this year versus last year or something like that. I mean, I've, I've just heard things across the board. I'm just curious your perspective. Um, so I, I, is it fair to say, I guess, because most of the stuff you've been working is already already were, was shot and went into post that you I guess you haven't felt the impact on the uh, the sync licensing side? No, if anything, we felt it more just like in terms of incoming briefs from music supervisors. Mm. So like when people okay. hit us up and they're like, hey, I'm working on this project. Do you have this kind of music or whatever? You know, we usually have fairly um, a lot of them every day, you know, 
and I think we've started to feel that kind of slowing down and then just seeing less confirmations mm. in TV than we've had um, in the past, but we've also had more advertising this year. So it kind of makes up for it in that way. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, we usually have a ton of TV happening right now and we just have a few right. kind of sprinkled here and there. So it's definitely yeah. been slower yeah. on that front. Sure. Um, and with TV, I, I mean, I'm, I guess let's talk about the different lanes that you work in. You've mentioned TV, film, advertising. Um, you know, I've, I saw you did a video game. Uh, can you just talk about kind of the, the turnaround times? And you mentioned a brief uh, as well, which I, I love for you to kind of, um, you know, in, in all of these realms of where briefs fall into this. But like, you know, yeah, just talk just talk turnaround times and, and from when you get, you know, I guess when you submit or when they ask you for a song and, and to when you kind of, I guess it, it yeah. airs or you get paid for it. Well, everything in licensing is extremely urgent. And there's, <laughs> there's literally not a single email we get that doesn't have urgent in all caps. In <laughs> okay. So in my mind, I'm like, if everything's urgent, nothing's urgent, it's all good. Um, but Right. It does move. It, it does move super, super fast. Um, the turnaround yeah. time is so for us, like on our end, like how we work with artists is we there's so much information that we have to get before we can even pitch music. So we have to mm. the biggest thing being writer splits and publishing info and mm -hmm. making sure we understand who owns a song, because it's probably the biggest headache in general for anyone in licensing is just understanding the rights and it changes every day. Like someone signs a publishing deal or, you know, a co-writer, yep. uh, you know, remembers a different conversation about the split. So now there's a renegotiation or whatever. There's a million things. Or maybe they just like never mm -hmm. even talked about it because it's not sexy or fun and they just wanted to be creative. Right. And now that there's an yep. opportunity, it's like, oh, shit, we got to We got to figure this out. But like for us, yeah. we're always trying to educate artists and like how important that is, like to have that information and to understand where, who, because like if you, for as an example, I worked with an artist who they felt bad about breaking up with their manager. So they gave him 1% of publishing and oh which is like, <laughs> don't ever, don't ever do that. Please, please don't ever do that. It, it really hurts my heart. Um, but yeah, yeah, he was just kind of, he was just kind of like not feeling it. So he just said no to every sync request that came in and nothing ever went through for 1%. Wow. So it's very very important. It was devastating. I'm like I'm laughing, but it's it's horrible. Um mm. so it's very important to like think carefully about those conversations and you know, there's a lot of different things. We can we can get like we can go deeper into it in a little bit, but like to me that's mm. always like number one thing to to tell artists it's like how how important that is. Um, yeah, yeah, just to understand because you know, people, it's your it's your homie that you're writing a song with, and that's great yep. and cool. Yep. But if your homie signs to Universal, that's going to change the dynamic of how easy or difficult something right. is to clear. And the harder it is to clear, the less likely likely it is to go through because, yep. as we you know, I just said, things move super fast. So we've had like. We've had, so how we work with artists, again, on the transparency front is we share all the mm -hmm. briefs we get in real time with okay. um, our roster so that they can mm -hmm. see and be involved. And, um, and like, also just if they have time, like maybe write a song, whatever, there's like just so many different opportunities that are coming in. But we've had yeah. an artist who was yeah. like, hey, I didn't, I was kind of bored 
you know, earlier today and I saw this brief and I wrote it and check it out. And I was like, oh my God, it's perfect. We sent it to them. They confirmed it that night. And then it was literally on TV the next day. So, um, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's probably not that common, but that's pretty wild. Um, that's so cool that you share all the briefs with all of your artists. I've never heard of that before. So it's like whenever you get anything through, you just do you have, I mean, you just forward like, it on just, to all of your artists. Yeah, no, it's just a Google sheet that we just update every time we cool. get something. And, cool. you know, I think, so awesome. look, I used, I used to be one of those people, like, especially in sync, it's like very gatekeepery, very like, yeah. oh my God, my contacts, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. you can't know who I'm talking to. And it's, and, and I used to be that person. So whatever, I get it. But like, at yeah. the end of the day, our job is to help artists find opportunities to, at least be able to, you know, create music for a living and, you know, and have a sustainable career. So like the best mm. way to do that is to invite them into the experience and to like show them, like everyone thinks that their song, that their songs are syncable, you know? And yeah. then, you know, you, you start reading some briefs and you're like, okay, maybe this like hardcore metal vibe isn't gonna work for, you know? <laughs> like American yeah. Express ads or whatever. But um, right, right, right. so like, you know, I think it's important. It's also good just for people to see it's like what the budgets look like and what and like how why like we say that things need to be easy to clear like you is a direct reflection of the briefs we get from music supervisors where they're like, do not send me anything that's annoying um, mm -hmm. because it is very very annoying when you start getting into like 20 different people who have to sign off on, you know, a use. It's like a very mm -hmm. annoying process and everyone's quoting differently. And, you know, like not everyone knows if, I don't know. It's just, we just try to keep for us, we try to keep things super easy and straightforward. And, um, mm -hmm. and, and yeah, like let artists into the experience so that they can see and be as involved as they want. That's great. And and I just want to clarify something that you mentioned before with uh, getting back to that kind of 1% of the manager that that uh, the publishing that that manager had and, and why that's difficult. Um, this is because it just to clarify, because not a lot of people understand how maybe not people understand how sync licensing works in the like le legally, I guess, and, and how it's different from streaming and audio only and all of that. Um, the reason that the manager prevented any of these things from going through. Uh, well, not not the reason they prevented. The reason they could prevent it was because uh, legally, uh, for a sync license, it's different from streaming. You need permission from all of the songwriters. I guess all of the rights owners on both sides: the master side, which was the the label, and then on the publishing side, which is all the songwriters. And so, if that it doesn't matter if that manager, like you said, had 1%, any of the songwriters, regardless of their split, uh, everybody needs to sign off and give permission, right? Yeah. And it's a bummer because, you know, a lot of artists, it's like, it's your artist project. And, you know, yeah. maybe someone contributed a melody or whatever. And, you know, I, I love, I think anyone who contributes to a song should be given, um, you know, whatever they actually are owed. But to... Sure. to you just have to remember that like any time that you open that up is just like, you just never know. Cause a lot of artists, like they're like, Oh, of course I'm down for this project. But then if they're signed to a major, 
doesn't really matter what they want. You know, a major isn't going to approve anything under a certain amount of money. So Mm. it's like really important to think about that. There's also so many things that you can do, like wave approval rights so that like no one can get in the way of something happening. And if it does go through, they just get paid directly. There's like so many ways to um, avoid, you know, just a nightmare situation. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're always trying to help artists out. Yeah. So talk to me about when you onboard a new artist. Um, do you, Eric, I guess if they are bringing in their catalog or they have a certain number of songs that they want you to represent uh, for sync, um, do you, is your process to kind of get uh, to clear all of those rights up front and ask for all of their collaborators and co-writers and publishers and all, if they don't have publishers, I guess just co-writers to waive those approval rights. So you have the rights to pitch uh, without having to go and ask them for permission each time. Yeah. So for sure, when it's possible, sometimes it's not possible because um, okay. you know, if they don't own, if, if collaborators don't own their, share and they are represented by someone else usually that's not possible but yeah we have a very kind of intense process of like we have all of these things and requirements that have to happen for us to even be able to pitch it and it doesn't mean we have to be able to you know represent 100 percent of both sides because that's certainly not the case for a lot of our catalog Mm -hmm. it just means like we need to clean it up and at least know where to go if someone wants to use a song like right away and how to get it done fast. Right. So I'm just clarifying again, when you say we represent 100% of both sides, meaning 100% of the master side and 100% of the publishing side, because a lot of independent artists do own 100% of both sides, they wrote the song, they uh, mm-hmm. release themselves, they don't have a label, they don't have a publisher, they do own 100% of both sides. So if you represent them, then you own or not own, but you represent 100% of both sides. But if they have three co writers, then uh, there are they they don't own uh, 100% of their publishing side, they might own 100% of the master because they don't have a record label. But if they have three right. co writers, then they only own 25% of their publishing and you have to now go clear the other 75% of that publishing. Yeah. And um, it's also just difficult for us in general. Like if I'm sending a song, you know, music supervisors really trust that we're sending the music that is, mm. we've already done all of the kind of background work to make sure that there yeah. are no like, you know, snags if anything, if they want to use something. But um, sure. if I've sent them something and I only have 25% of the publishing, I basically cannot speak on behalf of that song. Right. So, um, it's, it's not like, it's definitely not ideal, but we definitely try to be like, okay, we have to have enough for it to make sense where we can at least be like, look, you're good on the publishing side. We only have 25%, but you know, the other people are fine. They don't have approval rights. Um, otherwise it just, it doesn't really make sense for us to pitch it to anyone. Um, and we, we can only do it if it's a a really big or open budget so that we know Mm -hmm. It won't be a problem. So you're saying is is if somebody comes in um, and they're an indie artist and they don't have a label, so they have 100% of the master, but they have three co-writers, you're you're not going to represent that song because they only have 25% of the publishing? No, no, no. Um, so 
how we work is like we like to have at least 100% of one side. So if they have the master, then that's okay. great. Like we, that's, an, you know gotcha. what I mean? We, we just have to be able to speak to at least one side. Otherwise, gotcha. um, yeah, it's just, it's frustrating for music supervisors. If we're like, here's a song that we have 2% of, they're like, why are you sending me this? Um, gotcha. You know. And is it their responsibility or yours to clear the other, uh, let's just use the same situation, uh, to clear the other 75% of the publishing? Uh, how, how does that um, get cleared? Technically, it's theirs. And most other companies would let them handle that. But we like to go and make everyone's lives super easy and try to <laughs> uh, get it done on our end first so that they don't have to. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, since we're now kind of talking the legalities of all this and, and clearing and all of that, uh, where do samples fall into this? Uh, because, you know, no. <laughs> I no. said the magic word. <laughs> like, gotta go. See ya. Um, yeah, right, right. Peace. Yeah. Yeah, check, please. Check, please. Uh, samples, yeah. <laughs> please, like, for the love of God, don't ever do it. We've done, like, on our Instagram, we post about them frequently, how much we hate them. And um, it's really tough. It's really tough because when you're using a sample, most of the time people are not going and pre-clearing it with the actual owner of both the copyright and the recording. And mm -hmm. order you have to do that. And then you have to negotiate whatever splits make sense for this new song that incorporates both on both sides. So a lot of people don't mm -hmm. do that. If they did, it would be fine, but most people don't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I like to tell this story because it's a perfect example of this situation where um, Netflix once hit me up and they were like, hey, emergency situation. We had this, we had a song cut into this trailer for this like movie. Turns out there's an uncleared sample and we don't even know like who the original owners of like this random, very, you know, random sample. We can't figure it out. So we have to replace it. And I was like, oh, I got you. Like, I'm going to send you a perfect replacement track. And I sent them a song. And I literally texted the artist because I all of a sudden I had anxiety. I was like, wait, promise me there aren't any samples, right? Like, I can't, yeah. I, I can't send them a song with samples to, like, help them in the situation. He was like, no, 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 we're all good. No samples. And I sent it. And sure enough, they wanted to use it. They were ready to confirm it that night. And I was like, okay, so no samples, right? Because they want to use it. And he was like, yeah, actually, there are some samples. I was like, oh, my God. No. <laughs> Terrible. Oh, no. Terrible. Uh, um, yeah, so I, I had to call in some favors. Thank you, Universal, for saving me that one time. Um, ay, ay, ay. <laughs> yeah. But we got it done, and so, it happened. That's good. So just to, like, clarify, when we're talking samples um, – we're not talking about uh, well. I guess you you tell me because uh, because I think it's it's confusing for a lot of people when they're you know you can get a like technically a sample from like splice or something or like a drum loop or some horns that you're talking. You're talking about a sample being an actual uh, bit of a recording of another released song that they don't have permission to use. We're not talking about like splice samples, right? Those are okay to use. Well, it just kind of depends. I mean, I don't like, it's kind of a, a little bit, as long as it's just like completely like to, no issue, like commercial, like you can do whatever you want, like 
you mm. bought it and it's yours and there's no like anything that ever has to happen again like it's fine but you okay. know there aren't that many places that offer that and um i mean they exist but like i just always err on like the side of like just be very careful because people get sued constantly in licensing it's never ending mm. there's so much copyright infringement there's so many sample situations there's so many examples of artists uh ripping off other songs like way too way too close to the original it's just all of it yeah. is like such a tricky thing and you know um there's just no shortage of entertainment lawyers ready to sue people so uh right my my strong 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 suggestion suggestion is just like to not sample i mean and it, it sucks because i i know like there's so many incredible songs with samples, right? Like so many epic, right. it's like, I totally get it, but it just, when it comes, unless you can, I think it's totally possible if you just do it right, where you're like, okay, let me go figure out who owns this, this original recording. Let me just take the steps needed to go figure it out and try to negotiate something. It's also much easier to negotiate something before there's an opportunity on the table. If you don't do it, Right. And then someone wants to use the song that has a sample and you're like going to them like, oh my God, sorry, I didn't go and get it, you know, done before, but now like we're in a rush and can we like figure this out? They're going to be like, cool, we own a hundred percent of both sides. Like you're screwed. So, you know, just, you got to yeah. figure out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Real quick, I want to let you know about DistroKid. Well, I'm sure you already know about DistroKid, but they are partners with Ari's Take, and they are a great company that can help get your music distributed to Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, all of that. Over a million artists use DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I have distributed some of my music in the past. And something I appreciate about DistroKid as not just an artist, but someone who studies this space is they have been one of the most innovative companies over the last 10 years. They came in and completely changed the game. One of the first companies offering unlimited uploads, and now most of the other distributors have had to change their policies to kind of copy and follow suit uh, what DistroKid was doing, and the industry had changed, of course. DistroKid doesn't keep a commission. That means you keep 100% of your royalties and earnings from the DSPs. They also offer payment splitting. They call it splits, something that, for me at this point, is a deal breaker. I don't want to have to cut checks to all my collaborators and the producers and everybody else that is owed royalties and owed splits from my earnings. DistroKid will cut those checks directly. You can get them to uh, your collaborators to sign up, and then DistroKid will cut all the checks to all your collaborators. And they were one of the first to offer that of the DIY self-service distributors. DistroKid continues to innovate. Check them out. If you need to get your music out there, districtkid.com. Can you, um, do you differentiate between uh, beats? Like, uh, you know, in, in the hip hop world, especially in the independent hip hop world, primarily, um, you know, when uh, top liners, I guess, you know, rappers um, might, you know, buy a beat from a beat marketplace or something like that is that okay do you work with artists that they say oh yeah i bought this beat off of this guy i met from youtube or i bought a beat from beat stars and but that's okay because it said that i was okay to use it 
Yeah, it just depends. Like if if you bought something from someone on YouTube and there's like nothing in writing, then I'd be like, mm, no. But if there's an actual like, hey, you own this beat now, you can do whatever you want, you can release it commercially. There's no royalty. Like, it it is yours now to use. Then it's fine. It's the same. It's just like, what are the terms? And do you actually are you able to actually do whatever you want with it? Because like there mm. are there's lots of language out there that's confusing. So just making sure that it's totally good to go. It's a hundred percent yours. You paid for it. You got it. You can now use it in your music. Um, whatever it is, you know? Yeah. And I guess it's worth noting also uh, that even if the beat that you're buying is it's exclusively yours uh they're not licensing it to you they're not uh allowing other people to use it because i've seen in some instances where somebody buys a beat that they say oh yeah no no, i get full commercial use i can use this whatever i want but that producer uh licensed sold that beat whatever you want to call it uh because they're not music business experts typically so they're just like yeah Yeah. i'm going to sell this beat 20 times and they sell this beat to all these artists and now there's five songs out there commercially released with the identical production the foundation of the song is identical just with a different yeah, no. you know rap over it or different melody over it and they think that it's theirs but now the other person registered theirs first so when you use sonic recognition software or Shazam or whatever the other right. recording comes up and now the supervisor is confused it's like well who actually represents and owns this song yeah we we again we just we don't touch anything that even is remotely you know i we can kind of tell when someone nine times out of 10, we'll be like, okay, what did you use in this song? Like if, if we, yeah, no, we can usually tell, like, tell us where you got the samples, tell us where you got this beat. If it's not exclusive, don't do it. Like it is, I've seen it happen. It's like, it's really, it's really a shame. And also when that happens, music supervisors are like, okay, we'll never use any of this ever again because it's just too yeah. risky. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no one wants, I mean, ev- and like everyone in the process gets, you know, has like some legal, like we're all scared of being sued, basically everyone in licensing. So <laughs> we're like, it's like every person in the chain, right? It's like supervisor, it's us. It's usually the only people who aren't really concerned about it is the artist, but they should be, you know, they should be especially concerned about it because it happens a lot. But yeah, you know, I think for us, the thing that we've been see- just more like on a legal um, perspective, like the thing that we've been seeing more is actually, well, a-, a couple of things. But, you know, I think with TikTok and, you know, social media brands are not super familiar with the rules or I guess they have been, you know, get- using agencies that maybe like will rip a song and then put it up on like one of their posts, which you can't do um, Mm. unless you have permission, you know, so we have, we've seen that happen. We've also seen someone rip off one of the songs we have in our catalog, like rip it off fully and then upload it to one of these uh, beat places, by the way. So that not only is, what do you mean rip it off? What does that mean? Rip it off. So um, basically just record the exact same song, the same melody. It's like the same song. It's just, Oh, yeah. And so it's uh, not it's it's yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's also it happens like 
uh, we, it's the same artists for some reason, like there are, there are artists out there who just like get ripped off constantly. And I don't know why or like what the reasoning is, but with this artist in particular, we, there was a brand who used one of their songs in a, in an ad without permission, which is mm -hmm. like a known, like, you just don't do that. It's like so foolish. Whoa. Um, yep. and so, you know, we were then able to go and negotiate like a really nice fee after and make sure the band was taken care of, but they then hired a composer to then rip the same song off and use it in an even bigger ad, like six months later. Oh my gosh. Which we were like, and are you in, like, are you insane? Um, <laughs> and so then it was, a, it was a really nice payday for everyone involved, but yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's wild, but there's a, there's a whole lot of copyright infringement. It's, it's also like a little blurry, but in general, like just know where your music is coming from and mm -hmm. no blatant like copying. What's the recourse if somebody rips a song off like that or, or uh, you said you could get a payday after the fact? I mean, are you threatening to sue and, and like how to and, and why did they think they could they could they recreated the recording, I guess, is that, you know, it's their own recording that they had. What did they think that they could do and, and how was that recourse? Yeah, so the reason that we were able to do anything is because there's like an obvious paper trail of like, well, first of all, you've already used a song without permission, right? And you have been sure. reprimanded for that. You've already gone down this path. And now instead of just licensing it like a normal person or company, mm -hmm. you have now <laughs> hired someone to rip it off so that you don't have to pay as much as you should pay for the music. And Mm. when that happens and it's very obvious like i mean it was it was one of those things where you're like if you're gonna rip it off like just be smart google how to like get away with copyright infringement or something because you can't just like invert <laughs> it. Um, right, right. you know it's like come on but yeah. so it was a pretty easy you know we were just like hey what's up why'd you yeah. do this we're gonna have to talk like let's wow you know go ahead and loop in your legal team if you need to but they knew they knew they were screwed. It, it wasn't a hard, you know. Do you check on uh, or do you recommend that your artists uh, register their their copyrights with like the U.S. Copyright Office? Does that even matter? Does that come into play with this at all? I think it's I yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it's important. I think it's much easier to when in a situation where you're seriously being uh, screwed over or taken advantage of or whatever. Um, if you do mm -hmm. have that. So mm -hmm. I think it's a good idea. I know it's kind of a pain, but yeah, you know, if you want to just really cool. cover all your bases, I mean, this stuff just happens constantly, you know, I mean, mus musicians have been screwed over since the beginning of time. It's awful. It's like, yeah. you know, yeah. just like, it's, it's terrible. So like, if there's anything that you can do to kind of set yourself up for success, or at least like, position yourself to be in a good place mm -hmm. if anything should happen. I, I always think it's a mm -hmm. good idea, like whether it's that or, you know, doing a lot of homework on contracts and legal language and, you know, what certain terms mean, because I feel like it's so crazy to me how often I'm still seeing artists like get into the worst possible situation in like a record deal or a publishing deal. And not have any idea like what they just signed, you know, where they're like signing away all of the masters that they ever write forever to a record, label, whatever. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of bad deals out there still. And so 
Mm. I think it's just such, I, I know it's like, I know it's hard because it's boring stuff. Like, trust me, I see some of these yeah. agreements yeah. and I glaze over. I'm like, ugh, it's like, it's horrible. Yeah. Like I get yeah. it. Like any lease I've ever seen. I'm the same way, like been there, you know, where you're just like, don't care, give me the money, whatever. But yeah. it's so important yeah. to at least have someone to really walk you through what it, what it means and for you to really do the math on, do you even need this deal? How much money are they going to give you up front? If they're not giving you any money up front, don't like, certainly don't do it. But if they are sure. like, do the math and everything is negotiable. So mm. yeah. yeah. I love the education that you offer on your Instagram, uh, the low profile Instagram. It's great. I mean, it, <laughs> you're, you're, you're doing your part at, at, at least trying to, to help out the, the community there. Relentless. I'm relentless. Yeah, no, it's good. It's it's very very important, um, and it's it's yeah very good tips. Um, in terms of um, the fees, I'm curious where we're at as an industry. You know, we're in we're talking November 2023. Um, if you could give me just kind of the ballpark fees that you're seeing these days on all the different kinds of placements and how that's changed maybe over the last five years. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird because in some ways, a lot of budgets have been slashed and, you know, it's it feels like we're seeing smaller things and then there's like no rhyme or reason. And then sometimes it's like, wow, that's a huge budget for this thing. How random. Um, yeah, I think I think with ads, they've been pretty consistent and like, you know, the budgets, the only thing that's changing is that there's so much content now that people are creating and wanting to put out. Whereas like, it used to be like, oh, there's a big TV ad for a brand, yeah. right? And like, that's their big spend or like, it's just like, sure. there's like, where now it's like, no, there's like so much content that they're rolling out. So we'll see like lower fees for, you know, social only stuff, but it makes sense for what- And what are those- what are the ballparks we're talking? So like if, if anything, it's how we negotiate those is like, is there going to be paid media? Like that's our number one question. Like, is it going to be used as advertising or live on someone's feed as an organic post? Cause those are two, two different okay. things. Like if it's just people that follow you already and you're just posting it and it lives there and whatever, then it'll be much lower. You know, it just depends on how big the brand and brand is like who the artist is, but like, probably not less than $5,000, just depending on, on what it is. And like how, if it's like selling anything, when you start getting into selling mm. anything, whether that's a product or a movie or even a TV show or a video game, whatever you're selling, like that's when we're like paying a lot more attention to what those terms are and getting a higher fee. Um, you know, it, and it's, it's kind of all over the place. Like we, we did a thing where, with a brand where it was stories only and it was a hundred K which was rare recently, but then Stor you mean like Instagram stories only? Yeah. And but they that paid a hundred thousand dollars just for usage in an Instagram that was story. I was that like, was I'm going to take this and run. I'm going to take it and run. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. Rare. Win, score. Um, all right. Yeah. yeah. I was like, we should do this all day, every day. This is amazing. Um, it doesn't work yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, and then, you know, then there's a huge brand like someone like Walmart where they're like, oh, our budget is $30,000 for all of this other stuff for a long time. And you're like, huh, that doesn't make any sense. So it's, it's kind sure. of all over the place. And I think 
has a lot to do with who you're talking to. Are you talking to the ad agency, the brand directly, or a music house, or like another third party who's also probably taking a cut out of the budget? So it's like knowing who you're talking to, um, like, you know, and we love music supervisors. They're humans too. Like we're all trying to make money and, and live, but I'm always from coming from the place of like, let's give that money to the artist. Let's like take yeah. whatever is fair and not just take more because we can. I think that's a thing that people um, in general in music, just like just because you can take advantage doesn't mean you should. And um, yeah. in fact, like I think we have a responsibility to to not do that to artists as much as, you know, we, we can control. So, I mean, you know, we kind of know which people if it's, if it's super low, then we're like, we don't want to set a precedent. You know, we want to make sure that the artists, we don't want to undervalue music ever. And if it's a big ask, mm. it needs to be a certain amount of money. But it's also like, you know, we had someone who, who sent us a brief and was like, Hey, the, the budget is $200,000. And then we sent them some songs and they're like, great. We want to use one of these songs. Uh, how's a hundred K and we're like, ding dong, you're wrong. No, we know what the budget is. Like, <laughs> come on. Um, right, right. So, you know, yeah, it's I'm kind of just you. like knowing like when yeah. you can push for more and when it's not possible. There are so many people who are fighting the good fight, trying to get as much money as possible. And there's a lot of people too, who like don't want to have those uncomfortable conversations for fear of lo losing their jobs. So like, it's totally, mm understandable and it's like also yep. kind of yep. one of those like catch 22 things it's like once you start doing something and you're like oh we did it for cheaper this time then that's the expectation right so right right yes yes um yeah i don't know if that answered your question actually sorry no no I, well no you, I, everything you said was fantastic and super helpful and important and i'm and i'm glad that you uh laid all that out because it, it's very illuminating uh and i just appreciate that you're fighting on behalf of artists for that for those fees um but i i do want to i i do want to get a, into some some numbers and, and just some ballparks of numbers mm -hmm. so like i i was hearing uh for ads brands that kind of stuff it can go you know, you don't go typically lower than 5,000, but you you reference something that was 200,000. I mean, is that for brands when we're talking, you know, uh, it, it's that massive of a range? Does it go higher than 200,000? Does it go lower than 5,000? <laughs> what are we talking here? Yeah. Yes to all of that. Um, it definitely okay. goes lower. And to, just to clarify, like, we don't do anything under 5,000, but like, that's just without paid media. So it's just like, if it's just a piece of content, right? There's paid media, sure. then it would need to be more. But yeah, there people okay. try. It's so funny. We were laughing about this the other day. I think we like saved it to our time capsule. We got this brief that was like the range is seventeen thousand to two hundred forty-eight thousand, and we were like, <laughs> "What?" Just like mind blown. I was like, "What? This? Huh? Like, okay." Right. <laughs> There's so much to unpack. Also, like the most random numbers ever. Um, yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was, that one was, yeah, we had to save that one. But yeah, I mean, it really is all over the place. It just depends on like what it is, the artist, mm -hmm. the, how long, like what they're doing with it, yeah. where it's going to live. Like, I mean, there's just it's so much that you have to consider and kind of negotiate. Like a lot of the time people come to us and we're like, that's a terrible budget, but maybe we can work with you on like, let's like, I don't know, let's just like make the term one week instead of 
a year or whatever. Like we try mm, to work with people and okay. be creative and how we negotiate that. Um, do they, I mean, that, that range, uh, is that because, uh, if they're working with, does it, does it vary based on whether they're working with a major label, a major publisher or a one-stop sync agency yeah. where you represent the artist and, and a hundred percent on both sides or something like that? Yeah. I mean, so the more recognizable, generally the more expensive a song is going to be. So like a lot of a lot of time music supervisors this up and they're like, okay, we want, we want something that's recognizable, but also brand new. And you're like, well, that's hilarious. Cause that doesn't really quite exist. But, um, yeah. but like, yeah, like if it's, if it's going to involve a bunch of people, like they do have a budget where it's like, if we're going to be licensing Taylor Swift, like this is, you know, it's how much we'll do. But like, if we're, you know, doing something. So we always try to fall like somewhere in between there. Um, Mm-hmm. And yeah, again, it just really just kind of depends on what it is. But a lot of the time too, they're like, this is all we have. We love it when that happens. When someone comes to us, we're like, this is the budget. Only send us stuff you have that can clear for this. Cause then we just know going into mm-hmm. it, like what we're working with. Um, mm, that makes sense. Yeah. So, so th- that was the range, I guess, more or less for ads and brands and stuff like that. Talk to me about um, trailers like TV trailers, movie trailers. How does that work? Trailers are great. We love trailers. Um, they pay, they pay really well. Um, it's usually, so as ads pay the most generally, unless it's like a smaller ad, but ads and then trailers, um, and then TV and film kind of somewhere and then video games and podcasts actually have started paying, um, a lot better recently, which is interesting. Oh, wow. Um, and you work with podcasts? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, we do. A, we cool. work with a lot of artists who do a lot of score and do a lot of original okay. compositions for podcasts. But um, cool. it's usually when there's already like an Apple or someone like invested in producing it or involved in like the production in some way. Um, and if it's ever anyone who's just like making a cool podcast, then we do things where we're like, okay, you can have it for very little now. And then if it gets bigger, at, like certain points, We'll just need to make sure the artist gets paid again if you're like all of a sudden cool. making a ton of money. So for trailers, uh, what's the ballpark? For trailers? Um, you know, again, it's really, I hate, I feel like I'm giving you non-answers, but it is truly all over the place. Um, okay. Usually anywhere from like 50 to 100, sometimes more. But like, you know, it's trailers. Okay. Like that's, they're significant. It's like crazy advertising and uh what's interesting with trailers is like they're gonna run it non-stop but for a very short amount of time and like two weeks they're gonna slam everyone with it you know yeah yeah so unless cool. unless you're barbie because then you're just forever slamming <laughs> right. everyone. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um and so you said ads are the most trailers are next and then film and tv talk to me about film and tv placements and how that works that's harder to, again, it, the range and types of films that we work on is like in like student films to like short films and then really indie films to major films. Like if your budget is anything under hundred million, that's basically a low budget production budget for a film usually. Okay. Um, 
Okay. Yeah. And we, you know, we had an artist who did a new song for like the Halloween movie last year and like, um, kind of like did some other score work and, you know, that was great. That was like $40,000, but film, if it's like a back, it just depends if it's background, maybe anywhere like five to 10, 15, it just depends again on the size of the artist and, um, you know what it is opening if it's the opening or like final credits and that's going to be more expensive um mm-hmm. we do we still do step deals even though they're very dated um we've seen what is that so a step deal is when um you kind of set up different options for like when you get either like distribution or if the box office grosses a certain amount then you have to pay out and um oh. yeah so we we actually there's this this really like hard to watch. I can barely watch the scene movie called terrifier Two. It's like really gruesome. And okay. they, we, you know, we, we gave them a really friendly rate. Cause you know, at the time it's just like, these are like indie filmmakers. So like you can have it for basically nothing. The moment it, it does well, you have to pay out. And it was one of those things where it was like, they just like hit crazy success and there's all this news about it. And they're like, all right, where do we send the check to? So, um nice nice yeah so just kind of we like to work with people and you know we want to support creatives like in any way we can so yeah has have the rates changed have you noticed a a change in the rates over the last i don't know a few years five ten years or so or has they pretty much stayed consistent i mean yeah yes and no i know this is like another non-answer but again it's like it just depends on what it is because people don't have a budget until, unless they want to use a song. And then if they really want to use a song, then they (laughs) apparently have like an endless amount of money. Right. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it kind of is, it's like, I would say, yeah, TV budgets have, you know, pretty much gone down, but also I feel like people are licensing a lot more music in every episode than they ever have. So like, if you look at, most TV shows, like there's like a ton of music and sometimes you're like, why can't even hear it? Why did you spend this much money to license a song? It's crazy. Um, but there's just like a lot of music that has to be cleared in a certain budget. But if there's a song that, you know, the director really wants, or God forbid, if they're singing it in the scene, you know, then that means you'll see like budgets just double and triple and quadruple overnight. Um, sometimes Mm. you're like, where did that come from? Wow. (laughs) yeah um you mentioned that some of your some of the artists that you represent also do some composing and scoring can you talk Mm -hmm. about the difference between scoring and licensing yeah so um we anytime that you're writing a new song specifically for a project um whether that's scoring a film or scoring anything really or even like mnemonics which we've done recently which is sound design really cool like when you think about the sound something makes when you open an app or like you know netflix when you it's like i I love sound design i think that's super cool but anything like that or we've had a lot of artists like write new songs for theme like tv show theme songs and um a lot of projects want to have something specifically curated for that project and done by a real artist so when we're anything else, like we're licensing an existing song that already exists and we're just finding places for it versus someone going in and, 
writing specifically for a project. So. Mm. Cool. Yeah. And, and, uh, how do the, uh, I guess fees change and, and how does the, and legally what is happening? So if they're writing something for a project, uh, do, does the artist own that or are they, is it a work for hire where they're giving up the rights to the studio or whatever it is? And then is there any back end on that? Yeah. So our job specifically is to try to prevent any sort of buyout from ever happening. Um, okay. Most of the, most of the time you can negotiate a license for a new song that's written and that's what we do. We fight for okay. it. Um, there have been a few situations where like, it just wasn't possible, but we got the fee up enough to where it made sense for the artist to be like, okay, screw it. Like I'll give it to you. But um, in general, we totally advocate that everything should be a license. The situation that I was talking about, it was still unfortunate because, you know, it was a buyout. It paid well, but like, you know, they had the song. And then mm -hmm. I, we saw the song then used in like so many projects after that. And we're just like, Gah! like, this is why you don't do this because the artist should be getting yeah. paid every time. And like the royalties, it's just like, it's, it's heartbreaking. So I always, mm -hmm. always really, I don't, I don't, I don't love those. And anytime someone's like, well, it's the only way it's not true. They just, um, mm. you know, and I think it's important yeah. to like, you know, usually you can tell people, Hey, like we should support artists. We should make sure that they get paid when their music is, you know, used anywhere. And, you know, most people, unless they're just like awful are going to be like, okay, all right. You know, that's fair. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, work for hire, don't love, but we, how we, we usually work is like, we'll, we'll set up a demo fee or a kill fee in case like we never want an artist oh. to do a bunch of work and then have it go nowhere. And also people yeah. can do things where they're like, oh, can you keep tweaking it? Like indefinitely until the end of time, like with whatever idea I have. And so we have to like set up really mm. kind of like parameters around what that looks like. Um, mm. Yeah. And how much nice. money oh, that's great. each round costs, all that kind of stuff. Because again, people take advantage of artists. So we're here to make sure like right. they get paid for right. their work. Um, regardless that's of- That's amazing. Yeah. That's so. great. How do theme songs work? Theme songs are fun. Um, usually, when we've done it, you know, we have a big call with like the whole creative team of the TV show. Usually whoever, like the last time we did it was like the, you know, the writer of the show was on it and with the artist and just kind of like talking about like the general vibe and uh, the mood and any lyrical themes and like sharing clips if it's something brand new. Um, and then, mm -hmm. yeah. And then, you know, usually if, if people are coming to us, for that they want it to be what the artist thinks like they want the artist input they don't want just like we're not a music house or like a production library so they want like an actual artist mm. take on something and to contribute creatively sure. so yeah cool. we yeah we just kind of work with them and and again we just make sure like everything is kind of set up so it's like okay you get two rounds for this much money and then if you end up using it there's this fee and all that kind of stuff so um, but theme songs are great yeah. because lots of royalties, obviously. Well, and that's something which I didn't actually uh, realize until a friend of mine got a, a massive SAG check is that 
Uh, if you sing on a theme song, uh, you can actually make some SAG royalties because now technically you're a performer on that TV show. And now that TV show, you're a performer essentially on every episode of that TV show, which um, I've never. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I There's, mean, I mean even, they, they. Even ads, if like your voice is used, it's it's like, you know, it's it's great. But if it's running on TV, it's it's amazing if your voice is used. Um, even if it's an instrumental with like lyricless vocals, like oohs or ahs, if, if your voice is in there, like that is going to mean some serious SAG checks. So that's yeah it's nuts it's cool so um jen there's a lot of artists and managers that are listening right now and they are very excited by everything that you've been talking about and they're like oh my gosh i want to tap into this 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 sounds like the gold mine right here like i've seen my streaming checks lately and uh and you're talking in the hundreds of thousands and they're they're looking at their hundreds of pennies that they've received lately so they're like you know how um, do you recommend an artist who wants to get into sync or maybe work with you or a sync agency yeah. like you go about this? Yeah, the golden question. I think the, <laughs> the best thing to do is to understand your catalog and to know, like, mm. we love a submission. We get a lot of submissions. And first of all, I love a good subject line. I love an interesting thing that tells me who you are. Like, don't like copy and paste. Don't like anyone who will have me, please take me. You know, I like very thoughtful, personal. I think just like I'm a human. This is what humans like in general. Yeah. Um, just something <laughs> a little personal or thoughtful even. And like something that just tells us like who you, so many artists hit us up and I'm like, what, what, what's the vibe? Like you didn't even send a link to your music. Like I'm not going to go out of my way to find your music or try to, you know, there's just not enough time in the day. So I think, I love a submission email that's like, like an interesting subject line. Sometimes, you know, I'm a big fan of all caps, if it makes sense, but like just something. Interesting. <laughs> and then something that's like, tells us who you are streaming link mm-hmm. to like your favorite top five songs of yours, like super easy. Don't, don't ever for the love of God, like attach an MP3 to an email to anyone. Don't ever do that. Um, just a streaming link Amen. and then be like, Hey, and I own master and publishing, or I own the master, but the publishing is easy. And here's the situation. And if you have all of the assets ready to go in a folder where you've got instrumentals, you've got lyrics, you've got clean versions, you've got writer splits, you know, what's going on with your music. I'm like, that is like a very good chance. You'll at least get a response being like, you're awesome for doing this. But, mm. um, I would say like to any sync agent, that's the first thing we're going to ask is who owns what and like, what's the deal and who are we going to have to work with here? So if we continue this, so I just getting all of that organized, hugely helpful. And then yeah, short and sweet. What's the vibe? Don't say the wrong name of the person you're emailing, you know, kind of basic stuff. <laughs> it happens all the time. So. Right. No, that's super helpful. Thank you. That's uh those tips are very practical and and fantastic. Um, Well, Jen, thank you. This has been so helpful and so illuminating. And you're just a wealth of knowledge. And uh, congrats on all the success. I mean, this is it's like really cool to just hear all the stuff you're working on. And it's, um, I mean, honestly, like, 
when we hear a lot of doom and gloom in the industry and and you know people are fighting over pennies right now and how spotify is changing their payment situation and all that stuff it's just like to hear that like there is a side of the industry where they are compensating artists uh what they're worth and for that music like that is very encouraging and um and you know it's it it gives us all hope so uh you're you're doing a, a great job and we really appreciate the work that you do um i have one final question oh yeah go ahead Sorry. No, I was going to say, I have one final question that I ask everybody who comes on the show, and that is, what does it mean to you to make it in the new music business? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I didn't, I should have thought about it. I saw that you, you put that in the email and I, I haven't really thought about it, but I think, I don't know, the more, the more artists I can help, like to me, I feel like I've already, you know, the, the first moment that like I got a call from an artist being like, I got to quit my job as office receptionist. Like to me, I was like, I've done it. Like I've, I'm, that's, that's what I am here to do. And if I can get any music in front of someone who's never heard it before and it can change their lives, like sync with sync, it just like, it never gets old. Like a good placement stays with you forever. Got so many amazing mm -hmm. moments that like, I just will never forget. Like when a, a song just completely like took my breath away in a scene, or whatever. And it changed my life. And like, to be able to do that is, is such a blessing. And then on top of it, to help artists build, you know, sustainable careers is, is like a true gift. And yeah, I feel like just the more people we can get who are advocating for artists and uh, doing the best that they can to do fair deals, like, that's, uh, that's a win to me. So yeah. No more shit. No more shitty deals, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Today's episode was edited by Mikey Evans with music by Brassroots District and produced by all the great people at Ari's Take. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com. <laughs> <laughs>